0: Welcome back to A Farther Room. I'd like to introduce to you my first guest. I want to have guests on here on a fairly regular basis, but there's always a first one. I'm grateful to my brother, Will Stokes, for taking the time to come talk with us. Thanks for being here, Will. Sure. Will, somebody who has dabbled in radio and podcasting some in the past. He also is somebody who's... Um, been a student of history as long as I can remember, and he has lots of book smarts and street smarts when it comes to issues relating to current events, some formally taught and some self-taught. I want to have a joint discussion about something that I know many people can relate to. Uh, This won't be as much of an interview, per se, as it would just is us talking through something together it's gonna take a few minutes just to set the stage for us here here's the issue at hand you turn on the news and it's pretty hot out there if you know what I mean passions are high tolerance thresholds are low there's a lot of anger out there to go around it seems like and we we live in a very politically tense time. We're a nation that I think it's fair to say is very polarized to one side or another on a wide range of topics. So to the casual person who doesn't follow politics very much and the extent of news that's consumed is 30 minutes of cable news in the evening or no news at all. They just listen to what people tell them. It probably seems like we're at a time when the nation is under a lot of strain. The two sides doing a lot of of tug-of-war over things can paint a picture of instability. And a lot of people are concerned about the direction we're heading as a collective group of people. The other side of this is I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with it I've started to call the age of no real majorities it seems like a lot of political victories that are won in our current day and age are by really slim margins And that goes for general elections and also passing of legislation it's not uncommon to hear about major legislation that passes the senate by just a few votes you have trump winning various states by a margin of less than one percent in 2016. i think michigan was the closest he won michigan by like 12,000 votes or something like that and it may sound like a lot on its face but in the sum total of millions it's a margin of less than a half percentage point this all to me feeds into the notion that we haven't ever been more polarized as a nation so we'll touch on all this but just to start off I have a two-part question for you do you think it's accurate to say that our current political environment is one that's tense and contentious. And the other part is do you agree with what some people say that it's as bad as it's ever been? Um is it
1: tense and is it contentious? That's sort of the that's sort of the idea with the system of government you've got, which is a well, I mean, we're talking about democracy here and it's it's not a true democracy. It's it's more of a republic, but that's that comes with the territory of representative democracy. You're going to have disagreements. Not everybody's gonna agree about the same thing. If I get four people in a car, even if they're all family members, and I say, you well, know, where do you want to go to eat tonight? it's really rare that everybody's going to agree on the same thing. And that's something that is extremely trivial. Do you want Chinese or do you want Mexican? So if, if there's disagreement, even among your close associates, on things that are that trivial, then it would make sense that issues that carry much more weight, like healthcare reform, like involvement of our armed forces like immigration uh, would carry disagreements and it's always been that way Uh, there have been disagreements on a number of issues all throughout history and there will continue to be disagreements in the united states and that's 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 kind of who we are and that it's not necessarily uh attractive i guess would be the the word to use from from that regard and that everybody it'd be nice if everybody could get along and, and there'd be unity and everyone would be on the same page but that's just not going to happen i mean even in even in instances where there has appeared to be a great amount of unity uh, more often than not there was division as for the second part, is is it more tense now than it's ever been? I would say the answer is just absolutely not. I think what you're seeing is um, maybe it seems that way just because we're bombarded with debates and disagreements and uh, talking heads yelling at each other, and because that's what sells. I mean, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's it's about making money, and yep. that makes for more interesting TV than an honest dissection of an issue. But um, I mean, you think back, of course, to things like the Civil War. Um, you're talking about a nation that can't be m- much more divided than it was at that time uh, from the outset. Uh, During the Constitutional Convention, I mean, the Constitution almost did not come to fruition um, because of disagreements between the northern and southern colonies. There were disagreements on how the legislature should be formed and run. Uh, There were disagreements regarding the Electoral College. There were disagreements about all sorts of things. And there had to be compromises and consensus uh, that was that was arrived at. Um, as
0: compromise is a dirty word nowadays, it seems like.
1: Well, I mean, it's it, it and here's the thing: it, it happens every single day. I just I don't think people notice it. Um, what you notice is what's run on Fox News or CNN about what Alexandria Ocasio Cortez said about this or what Bernie Sanders said about that and. Let's get Sean Hannity's take on this, and let's get Rachel Maddow's take on this. But um, compromise happens every single day in Washington. It's, it, it can fly under the radar a bit, but it does. Um, so yeah, the, you look back at things like the Civil War, you look at the Constitutional Convention, the election of 1824 and 1828 was particularly divisive. Um, I think there's a pretty large mountain of evidence that would that would point to. Listen, this is this is how it
0: is. So, a quick recap of what you said: you agree that it's contentious now, but you would say that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's how it's set up. You know, obviously, you're not ever going to have one view on anything, especially when you have 350 million people in the mix. And you're also making the point that, yeah, it's divisive, but it's not necessarily as divisive as it's been in some points in history. Um, I think we're both at a consensus that it's politically charged out there. Does it ever affect you personally personally? when you get into just how contentious people are over certain issues, has it affected your outlook on the country or on how much news media you choose to consume on a, on a daily basis? Like has that changed over years?
1: Uh, yeah, it has. Uh, I went to college and yeah, I've checked all the boxes on what you need to check as far as, being a student of civics and government and international affairs I mean I studied political science in college my emphasis was on international affairs but you go through the same gambit there and I tell you there's four years of dealing with students who are 100% convinced that they're right and nobody else is wrong Uh, it, it wears on you a little bit and um I noticed that after I finished my degree and started working um I realized that I had more to busy myself with and other things to take priority in my life than what so and so said about this bill or what so and so said about this or that you know I I've, I've transitioned into that period of time in my life where you know, going to work, doing a good job, seeing about my family—those uh, things are much more important to me. So I have I have noticed over the last several years that my intake of news on a on a regular day cycle has has really dropped. Uh, I pick and choose what it is that I pay attention to, and I do my best to to seek news out that I'm interested in uh, and and to not take something at face value uh, to do my own research on it because all of that is just readily available to people with with the internet with Google I mean you can you can read any bill you can read any Supreme Court decision um, and it it really goes a long way for me but I, I guess if I'm disappointed or perturbed about anything, it wouldn't necessarily be that there's contention. A lot of times, what you see is people are being contentious, and they don't know why they're being contentious. Um, there's, I think, it's gotten to the point where the general public is watching this show, yeah, like it's uh like it's a theater play, mm-hmm. and there are acts and. America's Got Talent. Here's the, here's the character that I support, and then there's the character that I don't support. And there are different people that are on TV and on the Internet that will tell you why this person is right. And we tend to, I mean, it's a voter behavior thing. I'm, political scientists have been studying this for a long time. That we have a tendency to accept anything that anyone says that seems like it's agreeing with our point of view and we have a tendency to reject anything that anyone says that does not agree with our point of view so it's we we sit back and we watch this show and really what we end up doing is just regurgitating the stuff that we hear and we really don't take the time to consider what do i think what what do i think about this do i agree with that totally do i not agree with it why do i like this why do i not like it it's it's a shortcut that people take and i think that does a lot more damage uh, than
0: anything else for me myself i can say that the current news cycle and the current politics out there is very fatiguing that's one thing that i've noticed for myself especially over the last five years three years i feel like you can't get away from it um And I think a lot of things play into that, but if you watch the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars, you can't watch it without listening to 20 political speeches in two hours. I feel like even sports like ESPN has various political statements that are kind of filtered in there. You know, recently even NASCAR was the latest, you know, political thing where the president showed up at Daytona. And I feel like the only way to really get away from politics now is almost to completely unplug for media altogether. Um, and that's the one thing that's probably the most frustrating to me is because I feel like there aren't any safe havens from it anymore. Um, I think this segues well into one of the next things I wanted to discuss, and that's the media. Um, do you feel it's safe to say the media plays a role in the polarized environment? You kind of touched on this already, but do you think that they have a hand in why things are the way they are as far as people being such at odds all the time?
1: Um, I think that media has an influence in the sense that they are the... They're the gatekeepers of information. So the, the media decides well you, you you think about it you know we just went through a 24-hour day and you think about how many newsworthy items happen today just in madison county uh, probably several and you take that and build on it and okay what about the jackson metro area and what about the state of mississippi and in What about the region? And what about the United States? There are just thousands and thousands of things that could be considered newsworthy. And the media is picking which story is important. So they they have a significant amount of power in that respect. They're shining a light on what they want to shine a light on. So they're choosing what gets covered and what doesn't get covered. So as far as the slants go um, I think it's pretty obvious that various media outlets have slants I don't I don't know that there are very many people who would disagree with that anymore uh, I think what folks would say is yeah there are media outlets that tend to be a little bit more democratic a little bit more liberal but you also have media outlets that tend to be a little bit more conservative and a little bit more Republican um, in 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 various, platforms, so I don't know of anybody that disagree with that, but media has been commenting on, uh, just take the example of national election, they've been doing that for almost 100 years now. Um, The election of 1828 uh, was a rematch between John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson, and that was a very nasty election campaign and things got very very personal um the adams camp made a lot of suggestions and attacks against andrew jackson's wife rachel Uh, she went through a divorce with a previous husband but it was complicated The divorce was filed for, but because of all the stuff that was going on with the state government, um, it it wasn't officially granted. Um, I I believe Kentucky is where it was, and that it was transitioning to be from a territory to a state, so a lot got lost in the shuffle there. So when she married Andrew Jackson, she was technically still married to her previous husband, and that made her an adulterer and a bigamist. And it was it was a private matter that eventually did get settled. But the Adams camp got wind of that and they ran with it and accused her of adultery. And there was, I can't remember uh, which paper it was. There was a national newspaper. Uh, a columnist wrote, and this is a paraphrase, ought there be, uh, an adulteress in the White House, um, in in a land <laughs> in a land as 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 this, you know, which which is a Christian land, and um, you know, Andrew Jackson's mother was accused of being a prostitute, and uh, they just really got down in the mud with each other, but yeah um even as early as 1828 and I'm sure before you could find examples that's that's what the media has done um, and that's that's what it'll continue to do and I think the the more worthwhile discussion is not to say should this be or should this not be because it is and if by all indications it will continue to be so. So if we know this about the media, what actions and what steps can we take uh, to better educate ourselves on what we believe? Right.
0: One, and um, This is a quick aside on the media. This isn't what the whole episode's about, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. But I think about sometimes how media, news media has changed over the last 20 to 30 years. You know, since we were kids, like in the 1990s, it used to be that if you wanted to get news, you went to newspapers, um, cable news, and that was basically it. I mean, there was like little, uh, there were some radio programs that were kind of limited, like Paul Harvey and and stuff like that. But and it was such such a thing as talk radio back then, but it really hadn't hit its peak. So Fast forward to now, newspapers are closing up shop. Um, I saw a stat that around 20 percent of local newspapers have closed down since the early 2000s. Um, Cable news viewership is declining by the tens of millions over the last decade. This whole thing called the internet is the root cause behind all of it. I think it's safe to say that people are less trustworthy of News sources now than they were a couple of decades ago, so you ca- you kind of get this feel that there's got to be added pressure on people who are in news media because it's almost like they have to see themselves as a captain of a sinking ship. You know, do you think it kind of adds any pressure to them to do better now? Probably not. As long as they're making the millions, it doesn't matter.
1: Does it add pressure to them to do a better job? Um, I think that there are um, columnists and investigative journalists and anchors in every job you could possibly have in news media that do an exceptional job. Um, I think that they see themselves... um, performing their duty as it should be, which is uh, to accurately report information as they receive it. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to to paint with a broad brush, I guess is what I'm saying. But um, again, yes, I don't really look at things as what they should be. I look at things as, as what they are. So um, I don't think so. I don't think that... The uh, the state of national news media is putting any pressure on anyone to um, to maybe reevaluate how they do things because I think it's working for them. Mm-hmm. I think that um, the the current format is what pays the most money. Uh, it's interesting television. It's interesting clicks, and uh, at the end of the day. I happen to believe, at the end of the day, you 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 do see some some biases that that start to lurk up, uh, be it conservative or liberal. But I think the ultimate bias is is the big green.
0: I'll circle back to the media a little bit later on as we close out. But I wanted to get back to the slim majority propo- um, proposed idea that I've kind of had. And get your input. So I looked at all of the presidential elections since around the time I was born. When I was born in 85, Reagan was in office. Um, If you look... Okay, so in 80, Reagan beat Carter 489 to 49. Mm -hmm. In the electoral college, that is. Um, Won by even more in 84. Yep. In 84... Reagan only lost one state, which is just insane to think about. In 88, H.W. Bush, Bush won 426-112 to 112 over Dukakis. Then in 92 and 96, Clinton had similar margins of victory over um, H.W. Bush and Dole won fairly comfortably. He had three seventy nine. Um three seventy and three seventy nine were his electoral college totals. And Bush well W. Bush won two seventy one to two sixty seven in year mm-hmm. two thousand. That was the closest one the closest one ever. Um and in 04, he won by a little bit more, but not very comfortable, 286 to 252 over Kerry. Obama had comfortable margins of victory both times. He won um, 365 to 332 were his two totals. And then in 16, Trump had 306 mm-hmm. to Clinton's 232. So... It, and it's not a new thing to have a close electoral vote, um, although it seems like we've had more than our share in the last uh, since the turn of the century. Um, it's also not completely a modern phenomenon to have a president who loses the popular vote but wins the electoral college. There were two other times that happened, and I had a note about that in front of me earlier, and now I don't have it anymore.
1: Rutherford B. Hayes was one of them.
0: Yeah, and there was another one before that, and it may have been before electoral college was even a thing, so it may not have counted that much, but it hadn't happened much. Um, so what are your thoughts on being in an age that— um, You know of no clear majorities, and if it's a, do you think it's a modern thing to have such slim majorities on victories in politics?
1: Uh, No, I don't. And again, I think it goes back to sensationalism a little bit. I mean, I think when you've got, it's it's not just election night. It's we have been in election mode since July of last year, and it's not going to stop. We're yeah. going to have constant election coverage, and everything that whoever the Democrat nominee is going to be is going to be uh, recorded by who knows how many cameras, and same for Donald Trump, and they're going to be followed everywhere they go, and there are going to be thought panels, and it's it's just going to be this constant train. In the, obviously, election night is a culmination there, but... I think that probably plays more of a role in in the feeling of, oh, this is it, this is it, this is like the Super Bowl, just because of the event that's been created. Um,
0: the unending news cycle. Uh,
1: right, um, the anticipation of it. I mean, I think Trump, I, he did have some some close um, victories in, in some states that have been voting Democrat for a very long time. Trump did a, a lot of things in 2016 that weren't necessarily unprecedented, but it's been a long time since they've happened. Um, you think about uh, Upper Maine voting for Trump and, and and a Republican taking an electoral vote out of Maine. I don't believe that's happened since uh, George H. W. Bush in in the uh, in the late eighties, and it could have been even before that. You've got a Republican, that's right? I you, just checked. You've got a Republican taking Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Uh, so it's it stands to reason that states that are traditionally voting a Democrat to all of a sudden vote for a Republican. It stands to reason that there'd be some pretty close margins there. Uh, ditto for the usual swing states. And OK, there's another example. So Ohio, which is traditionally a, a pretty nail biter state. Well, Trump ran away with that state. So um, you do have some some close calls. Uh, in every election, the the most famous one of all was in two thousand with the state of Florida, where you had the hanging Chad issue and a recount that lasted all the way into the month of December, and the Supreme Court finally came down and 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 said this is enough. But
0: uh, I was gonna say I, I seem to remember seeing a seeing that on TV where there was some judge in a court somewhere who like announced that final vote count or something or announced a winner and and people were gathered outside and they either started cheering or booing and it was kind of a bizarre thing
1: <clears throat> yeah that was uh chief justice william rehnquist of the supreme court so and, and it wasn't that you know, they came out and said bush wins what it was was they they officially put an end to the recount process in florida So that finally put a period to the end of that sentence, and and the writing was on the wall at that point. Whatever the results were that were on hand, those were the results. But I keep mentioning the elections of 1824 and 1828. In the election of 1824, nobody won. So you had four candidates that were running. No one had what they needed uh, to be named president. And for the first time ever and still ever that election got tossed to the house of representatives and you think about you think about something like that happening today um there were all sorts of accusations of corruption and bribes and uh, you know who's to say there was or wasn't in a town like washington but that's that's to be expected Uh, i believe the speaker of the house at that point was henry clay and uh he was accused by the Jackson campaign in 1824 of accepting um, a bribe from John Quincy Adams to be his secretary of state in exchange that, um, that Adams be declared the victor and, and the house swings with Adams. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, there have been not just close victories, but the the closest that we've ever seen to the point where no one is determined in the election and it's you got to pull out the constitution and and look at the article and say okay what do we do in in this instance so um yeah it's been known to happen and it'll and it'll keep happening
0: so it seems like the some of the premises that we started off the episode talking about several of them can be attributed to recency bias you know we're we're more pol- polarized than we've ever been Slim majorities are the new normal. This hasn't ever happened before. Um, one thing I think definitely is unique to our time is the constant unending news cycle. You know, there's so much information out there right now. It's literally more than one person can take in. Even if I was a professional journalist, I don't know that I could keep up with everything happening in the news right now. Um one week right now is such a long time and it just seems like things that used to be a major news story are forgotten in a few days because of some new thing that comes up. Um, I've got a couple more things to go over with you, get your input on. On the current environment, um, and these are somewhat broad questions and I know that they're entire episodes in the, in and of themselves, but I didn't know if you just had some thoughts off the top. On what you feel like is driving, if we, if we could point to just a few things that are driving the current environment of being tense and polarized, are there some things that in your mind are the main sources of contention between the two sides?
1: Well, we're told there's contention between the two sides. So, and, and when you're told that constantly over and over again, it sort of manifests itself um, as such. And it's, it's sensationalism more than anything, I, I think, because if it, it's, I think there are examples to show that it's not just news media, it's media in general when something is more um, urgent. Uh, when something, when something captivating is happening, that's really when people are tuning in, and you see these examples on on the internet of uh, folks like the Weather Channel, um, where you've got somebody crouching down and and holding his hoodie on, and it's 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 barely staying on, and he's screaming and he's I I can't take much more of this storm and then you see some folks just walk behind him like it's a normal day uh in the background and (laughs) I mean that's an example of that it's hey we need to gin up some sort of um sensationalism here to to get people really tuned in
0: and it was really funny to see the staffers circle the wagons around that guy and say you know well it's safety precautions and blah blah and all this right
1: right and 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 the um the example of the, I think it was a female reporter in a in a boat, uh, rowing through a flooded street, and you know the you got some folks walking right behind her, and it turns out there's maybe two or three inches of water on the <laughs> ground. So I, I think that's what you see is sensationalism of, you know, just take the current environment. Whoever you are in favor of or not in favor of, whatever your persuasion is. Trump colluded with Russia Trump is being impeached Trump conditioned this, there, there are these very big bold headlines uh, of just something cataclysmic um, that Trump is being accused of and that's going to get people engaged uh, in what you're saying and, 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 and I think that's what we see but I think that also is going to wear thin and I think it's already wearing thin because everything can't be cataclysmic when you've got this day and age where everything is breaking news everything, everything is, is a crisis everything's a life or death situation well people start to people start to become numb to it it's sort of like every time that the tornado siren goes off
0: it's kind of like I heard I heard somebody in in the media say it is insane to think about how the president of the United States is being impeached right now and nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like in the general public, there just aren't very many people all that concerned about it. And I think it's a direct result of what you're talking about, where it's like, you know, it's a it's a cry wolf type thing, mm-hmm. you know, where everything is such a major deal, then nothing becomes a major mm-hmm. deal anymore. Do you think landslide victories of Reagan and H.W. Bush, something like that would ever be seen again? Sure. Sure. I don't think
1: there's a reason to say there wouldn't be any more of a reason than to say, you know, in the in the wake of the Civil War, are we ever going to be uh, even remotely united behind someone again? Um, certainly didn't seem that way at the time, and... You know, then you've got, oh, goodness, 1932. So, 70 something years later, you've got a country that elects the same man four times to the presidency. So, sure, I think, uh, I think it's
0: certainly possible. I want to close out with a word of encouragement to listeners. I know politics is a hot-button issue with a lot of people. It's it's very unfortunate, but it's hard to have a discussion about it without people getting pissed off nowadays. I hate it's that way. Um, I think I, for things to get better, we have to get back to a place where we can have discussions that hash out important things in society. Um on the news media will touched on this a little bit earlier you know all news is biased because human beings are biased you know if you have an organization with thousands of employees and 80 percent of them all vote the same way how can you really expect that they are going to give you a product that is free of bias i know um, Fox News is the favorite among most people for fun poking in the news world. And, And fair enough, you know, Fox News is definitely slanted one way with a good bit of its programming. Yet the people that have such a huge issue with Fox don't seem to have the same issue with other news outlets that are just as slanted in the other direction. People have a big problem with bias only when it's biased against their own point of view, it seems like. Um... The last thing I'll say, if you're somebody who takes the approach that people on the other side of an argument are stupid, you aren't helping at all. A major mistake we are making in our current state of affairs is to demonize people on the other side. I get, I get it that a lot of the issues we argue about are very emotional but we have to start realizing again that sometimes people have a different position simply because they've come to a different conclusion and it's that simple and it doesn't make them bad people so do we propose to how do we how do we propose to ever solve anything if we're not even willing to admit that somebody other than ourselves may have something to bring to the table Those are just some closing thoughts I had based on the conversation we had. And um, I really appreciate you listening to this episode of A Farther Room. Thank you, Will, for coming on. Thank you again. I really appreciate it, and I hope you'll be a repeat visitor with us. And if you like this discussion, please subscribe to the podcast to stay on top of future episodes. We're on Twitter and Instagram, jp underscore stokes and i look forward to seeing you next time make sure the people you love know it and let them hear it from you often